Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, last year, or last week rather, I didn't get to preach, so I have twice the stories for this week's sermon. Just buckle up. <laughs> So every week I go to the grocery store, and every week it's schnooks, and so the first thing you see when you walk in is the produce, right? And I am dazzled by fresh produce for some strange reason. It calls to me. It is so fresh and beautiful and hopeful looking, and I can't help but buy it. And last week it was the artichoke, the fresh, beautiful artichoke. It was so cute and promising and healthy, and I have absolutely no idea what to do with it. I have no recipes calling for fresh artichokes. I have no experience preparing fresh artichokes. But I put it in my cart, and I bought it, and I took it home, and there it sits. Its owner having no idea what will become of it. Now that is what is happening to the people listening to Jesus speak today in our text. They have been given words that they have no idea how to use. They have no recipe for the metaphors that Jesus is handing them. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood will have eternal life. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood will abide in me and I in them. These are strange words coming out of the mouth of their beloved and beautiful Jesus and teacher, but they are confusing. And if we had just carried on two more verses in our text, we'd hear the disciples say, This is a difficult teaching. Who can accept it? They have not experienced the Eucharist yet. The Last Supper, the Holy Meal, the final time that Jesus will eat with them and say, Take and eat, this is my body. They have no idea that this little moment and these confusing words are foreshadowing this 
sacred ritual that generations after them will have to have as a physical sign of Jesus' love and mercy and forgiveness. They are clueless that one day they will remember these words that he said here in this moment in light of Jesus' flesh and blood on a cross. They have no idea that when he's talking about abiding in our flesh, that he is talking about this Holy Spirit he is going to pour into us at our baptism. They are confused by big cosmic words about faith that have nothing to do with just this little bit of faith they've gotten so far. And it would be easy for me to sit up here and say, well, silly disciples, soon you'll understand. Once you have heard the words of institution, once you've seen the cross and the empty tomb, it's all going to make sense what Jesus is talking about here. But that is not always true for me. Some weeks, when I read these teachings, I have their same hesitancy. I read these words about eating flesh and drinking blood, and I actually almost get embarrassed by them. I worry, genuinely worry, because I know that there are some of you sitting in these pews out there who have a faith that is just barely hanging on. And I'm afraid when you hear these words with your 21st century rational minds, you'll cynically cling on to them. And you'll show them to that little bit of faith that you've got and say, see, I told you this stuff was crazy. What are they even talking about? And what use is this? And yet, we read it week after week. And why? Because Jesus didn't wait. He did not wait for the disciples to experience that final supper. He did not wait for them to understand what he was up to before he handed them this promise that he will abide in them. He looked at these people. He knew that they needed to be fed, to be fed physically and spiritually. He knew they needed mercy and hope. He knew that he knew they needed purpose and meaning. And he was not willing to wait to give him any of those things until they had a perfect understanding of how he was going to do it through a cross and a tomb and some bread and wine. Jesus was desperate to feed them, to abide in them. And he's unwilling to make them wait. Jesus knows that they will grow into this. They will grow into an understanding. He is planning for that. Now, is that foolishness or recklessness on Jesus' part? I don't know. But this is Sir Joseph Bazelgette. What a great beard. Or mustache. Would you consider that a mustache and chops? I don't even know. Okay. Well, he was born in London in 1819, and when he was born, there were no sewer works to carry waste away from the city. So people, it's going to get a little gross here, sorry. People just dumped wastewater into the Thames, which was a river that ran alongside of the city, which, as you can imagine, led to some pretty awful pollution and disease in this time period. 
And nothing was really done about this because there wasn't a real great understanding of what was leading to disease until the great stink of 1858. That is actually what the British people called it. The great stink of 1858. It was an overwhelming summer of heat, July and August, that exacerbated the smell of the polluted sewer water clogging up the Thames. And that is when Joseph Bazelgett comes to the rescue, designing an underground sewer system that runs parallel to the Thames, carrying wastewater safely away from the city to treatment facilities just outside the boundaries. And within a few years of completion, tens, tens of thousands of lives are saved by the absence of this filthy cholera-filled water that is now outside the city. But the most ingenious piece of this story is Basil, Basil Jet's foresight. Now initially, city officials, being city officials, would only grant funding for a system big enough to handle the current population of London. But Bazelgette refused to take on the project unless the city allowed him to double the size currently needed because he insisted, he insisted that the city was going to grow, especially once people stopped dying by the thousands of cholera. And because he was allowed to do this, and because he built the system planning for the city to grow into it, they are still in use today. And the Thames is now one of the cleanest metropolitan rivers in the world. He built a system bigger than they needed, knowing London would grow into it. Now that is a long, long way of saying that Jesus places into our hands words bigger than we can comprehend, rituals larger than our understanding, ministries greater than we think we have the power and faith to take on. That is what he's doing with the disciples here with these confusing words, and that is what he's doing with us today when he presses into our hand little bits of bread. He knows we need mercy and forgiveness and hope and purpose, and he doesn't wait until we have a faith big enough to understand how this little piece of bread makes that happen. He just gives it. He does all of that because he's planning for our growth. He knows a life of walking towards a greater faith grows us into having it. Now, I couldn't <laughs> help but think about this whole thing last week. When a mom brought her little boy up here for Holy Communion. And he was just so curious about what we were doing up here. You know, he's like three or four years old. And so he was jumping all over his mom, trying to see the bread in her hand. And then he was, which was really nerve-wracking for me, he was jumping kind of on these stools that were balancing this wine. That is our fault, by the way. Sorry, parents. Um, but he's jumping up, trying to see what's in there, you know, just so curious about what we're doing up here. And he certainly had no idea what he meant, what I meant when I said the body and blood of Christ given for you. No idea what I'm talking about. That's just too big for this tiny faith that he has right now. So he gets a little blessing on his forehead instead. But after worship, as I'm kneeled down talking to 
little Olivia, she's just one years old, and I'm kneeled down talking to her, and we're, you know, just having a good conversation. That same little boy comes running out of nowhere and slaps a cross on her head and says, bless you, and runs off. (laughs) It was the most aggressive blessing I have ever witnessed. I was proud. Now, he might not understand this ritual that we do in here, but he gets that it has something to do with giving blessings to other people out there. So we continue to give him a faith bigger than his understanding, knowing that he will grow into it. It's why we bring these little people here. And here's what it will look like for him eventually. There is among us a parishioner who every night opens up her purse, and after a long day of running errands and going to work and having lunch and dinner out, she looks in her purse and sees what $1 bills are left over. And every night she takes whatever $1 bills are in there and she puts them into an envelope. And once that envelope collects $100, she seals it up and starts listening. And pretty soon she hears where it needs to go. Sometimes it takes her three months to collect 100. Sometimes it takes her a year. And as it's growing, she never knows who she's collecting it for. She just trusts that Jesus is going to make use of it, and he always does. Brothers and sisters, you walk in here, and Jesus starts handing you stuff. He hands you rituals. He hands you words. He hands you ministry. He hands you circumstances. He hands you a preschool to be in charge of. And you might be saying to him, not right now. I don't get it. It's too confusing. It's too big. I don't have faith enough. I don't have enough understanding. But he pushes right past all of that and hands it to you anyway. So grab on. Grab on to a faith big enough to grow into and trust that Jesus is going to get you there. Trust that today you might be in a place in life where you do not understand that this bread, this wine, this talk of forgiveness is for you. But you need it. And Jesus is not going to wait until you understand to give it to you. Thanks be to God for a Lord who knows better than us. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.